0: Thank you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Today we're going to, in catching the fire, today we're going to talk about joy. I know it's a subject that uh, is easy to speak on, and I think it's one that we all want and, and are grasping for and we desire in our lives. I think a lot of us have it, but then sometimes there's those times when it's just hard to keep carrying it through the day catching the joy. I just want to read from the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, you know, he's the one that helped build the walls around Jerusalem when Israel came back from 70 years in captivity. They were in captivity for 70 years because they just kept disobeying God, and God kicked them out of the land. Then he brings them back again. They build the walls around Jerusalem, but everything was not hunky-dory, Every, a lot of enemies around coming and, and fighting them. They rebuilt the temple, but the temple was a lot smaller than the one, the one they had before, and just everything seemed kind of gloomy. And, and they, and they said, to, said to Ezra, Ezra, will you go and, and read us the book of the law, the, the words of God, so we can know how not to do this again. And you will show us how we got into this position and how we get out of it. And what is all of this about? Is God even for us? So, so he builds a tower, a, a, a big platform, and Ezra just starts reading the law. It took him about, they say, about six to eight hours to read it. And here's what it says. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And as this was going on, it says, The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They were kind of walking between the people, kind of giving a commentary on what was going on. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and given the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And what they understood is we deserved what we got. <laughs> and we don't want to go through this again. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is, a holy, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. Or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Because the word was slaying them. And Nehemiah said. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, "Be still, for this is a holy day. It was the feast of trumpets." He said, "Do not grieve." Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had made known to them they understood why they went into exile, but the deeper understanding came when they understood why God brought them to the, back to the land. It was to bless them. You are no longer in exile. That chapter is over. That, this is how you will stay in the land. This is how you will fulfill what God has called you to do. Your strength to follow me is not found in your remorse. <laughs> It is not found in your grieving, but your strength to continue on is in my joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. And dear Father, we just ask today you just help us, Lord, in this dark world to pull through to the other side. We pray you help us to pick up our feet as we walk through the swamp of despair. How can we laugh the world's situation the way it is? Are you wincing at this prayer? (laughs) So is God. (laughs) That is not the way we're supposed to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the joy of heaven on earth. We thank you that we are your children. We thank you that we are called by your name. And we thank you that there is joy in your presence and joy knowing you and joy in our salvation. And we know that joy is our strength. We pray you help us to to hear today, but we also ask, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you come and reveal Jesus to us. Come, Lord. We want to see your work here, not ours, but yours. Come in your joy, in Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, I, when we were still meeting at the school, I was worked, worked with uh, my first time working with the Holiday Bible Club. It went on for a week with the children. And one day I went in and there was this girl and she was standing there with a stapler, stapling these pages together. And I went up to her and I just said, I said, oh, that's cool. What are you doing? And she said, I'm just stapling a book I wrote together. And I thought, boy, that's really good. Can I see it? And she said, yeah, here it is. And on the cover, it said, Me, M E, me. me. <laughs> I thought, that's interesting. I opened the page. Me is a mermaid. And there was a picture of her as a mermaid. Me is a princess. Then there was a picture of a princess. Me is a fairy. Me is a movie actress. Me is a rock star. Me is a nurse. Me is a queen. And that was her whole book called Me. I told her, this is a fantastic book. I tell you, don't you know what you've created here? This is a book everyone is writing in their head every day but are afraid to put it down on paper. But you have the courage to do it. You are a courageous thing. This is probably one of the most honest books I have ever read. Me. (laughs) I told her, I love your book. And, 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 and I love you. And she, she just ran away skipping, you know. And then, then when she went, I thought, boy, I would write a sequel to that. My sister. <laughs> My sister behind bars. My sister. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's not Christian, is it? But let me say one thing the Me book isn't Christian either. Years ago, I wrote a poem. I called it The Autobiography of the Two Legged Humanoid or The History of the Human Race. Do you want to hear it? I thought it was inspired. <laughs> <laughs> Slap. Sob. Me? Me. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Me, me. I. Me. Mine. Mine. Me. Me, 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 sob, slap. (laughs) That's it in a nutshell. The autobiography of the human race. Existential metaphysics. The autobiography of everyone on the street. The me book doesn't need a publisher because everybody's already reading and adding pages to it every single day. I'm sure many of us are adding the me pages to our book right now. Me in a palace. Me driving a Lamborghini, however you pronounce it. Me holding the power. Me in control. Me winning the lottery. Me, me, me. And we keep adding those pages, and we think, man, this is a great book. We put it on Facebook. Me having an Ulster fry. (laughs) Here's another Another one, it's a selfie. It's a selfie of me. Slap it up there. However, your me book will never become a bestseller because it's all about you and not about me. (laughs) (laughs) This sermon is about catching the joy. You know, and and we know, I don't have to say, joy is not happiness. Happiness is just with the circumstances, but joy is a gift from God we, we got to know the source it's a gift from god it's something that is offered all through the bible you look up the word joy and you'll see how many times it appears throughout the pages from genesis to revelation it's not held back in the bible the joy is for anybody who wants it it's something that god has and he wants us to walk in it all the time And you may think is that possible but But he wants us to walk in it because that's where our strength comes from, to walk each day, is the joy of the Lord. That's his desire for us, and that's where his strength stems from. We know it's like a fountain of laughter we carry on the inside. It makes us light on our feet. It makes us positive and courageous in our heart and mind. It goes beyond any rush of endorphins because it's not connected to us. It's the joy of the Lord. It's his joy. And he says it's for you. We don't own it. We can't create it. We can't cage it. We can't wear it as a badge for good behavior. It's not ours and it never will be. The joy of the Lord's. The joy is the Lord's, but he wants us He wants to share it with us forever. Starting right now in this lifetime in spite of all of our circumstances. So why does it seem at times so hard to find and to walk in it? I think the main reason is because we spend our life in the wrong book. (laughs) We spend our life looking for happiness which is based on circumstances and we lose out on the joy of the Lord, which is based on Him. To walk in the joy of the Lord, we have to lay down the book about me and pick up the book about Him. And I think you know who the Him is I am talking about. Start writing and adding pages to that book of our life together, God's stories. God chapters not about me but about him and what he's doing. And this is where the fountain of his joy in your life will erupt. I used to be quite a sad and morose person. Even when I became a Christian, if you if you knew me way back when, you I don't even know if you'd want to be around me that much. But um Johnny Johnny Raincloud or whatever but, but God, God was showing me because I was always thinking about me. Joy doesn't spring from me. The joy of the Lord. You know, and, and a lot of times the joy of the Lord. Oh, I don't even know if I should tell you this story. <clears throat> it, 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 always, it always comes, a lot of times, it, it comes when you're just thinking of others and just moving with God all the time in his presence his fullness of joy. I went to get my eyes tested a few decades ago. <laughs> when you get older, you start talking about decades and not years. But a few decades ago, I went to, to the optrician and had my eyes tested. And I was studying for my master's in theology. It was the Old Testament. And I, I just spent weeks looking at the Hebrew. Now, you know, Hebrew reads from right to left instead of left to right. And he said, okay, now, now look at the chart. You know, it had that old E and all that chart. And I couldn't, and all of a sudden I just stood there and I said, I don't know which way I'm supposed to read this. Am I supposed to read this from this way or, or, or the left? And, I, and and he said, that's a funny question. I said, yeah, I've been studying Hebrew and it's this way. And then he said, Oh, you've been studying Hebrew. Why are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm looking at at the Old Testament and the Bible. And we started a conversation. And then he, um, I was able to share with him how God saved me and delivered me from drugs and everything, started talking about the gospel. At the end, it was like I, I, I said to the guy, well, do you, do you want to... <laughs> Commit yourself to Jesus like I did and everything. He said, yeah, I would like to. And we prayed together in that optician's eye test room, you, you know, for, for the Lord. And when I left there, I didn't feel morose. I didn't feel sad or anything. I was just going out that door, just laughing and smiling and just thinking, God, how you set up all these stories with you. And there was joy. That, and that's where the joy comes. You start giving it away but not thinking about yourself as much. But you may be thinking, yeah, that's easy for you to say. If you only knew what I am going through right now, you wouldn't be joyful. And I can relate to that and I can understand. Life is hard and then you die. <laughs> we, we, we all face it all the time. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. But he didn't say you wouldn't have joy. He just said in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What, it, what, what that means is that we can also overcome the world and the troubles in the world that we are walking in. But, the, but my strength is not going to come from my, my moaning. My strength is going to come from his joy. The joy of the Lord is, is my strength to, to continue on. Jesus, who is a source of joy, wasn't laughing in Gethsemane. We know that. But he wasn't fallen into the depths of despair either. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not ourselves, but on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The me book is not where my strength to face each day comes from. And how did Jesus endure the troubles of this world? He was looking for and anticipating the joy He knew joy, but also he was looking for it even in the hardest times and that even the anticipation of it gave him strength to go to the cross. Some would ask, but do I have a right to be full of joy? The world situation, the way it is. I mean, all the children starving in Africa. I used to think that way. I used to think, how can I sit and have a good steak dinner when people are starving in Italy or somewhere? Not Italy, wherever it is. Too many pizzas in Italy. And people, <laughs> dear Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and people are dying of plagues throughout the world and in our cities. And I'm not laughing at that. But the answer is yes, we can have joy in the spite of the world. What, what's going on in the world? We, we have a right and it is our inheritance to walk in joy in the face of everything every day. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not our weeping, not our inward struggle, not even our compassion. We do more good motivated by the joy of the Lord than we do from the sorrow of the world. God called us to serve in his joy. We persevere in his joy. If we let the world dictate and define our emotional state, We will never rise above what we have to face as individuals in a community of faith. The world is not not energized by the joy of the Lord. But we are not of this world. That's something we, we really need to keep in mind. The Apostle Paul and the Apostles had that in their mind all the time. We're on a pilgrimage. We're just passing through, man. We're keeping our eyes Eyes ahead of us, Paul and Silas didn't have an easy ride, but they faced it with joy. They didn't. It wasn't just "Oh woe is me, more trouble ahead." But they faced it with joy because the joy didn't come from their circumstances or inside of them. It came from the Lord and the Lord living in them. They had already laid down the me book, and they were focused on Him. Here's one example. Acts sixteen twenty two the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped. Now, what that we usually just pass over that, but think of the situation. They're, they're in this crowd and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and then and the um, people come and attack them and the magistrates strip them. When it says strip them, it wasn't just stripping them down to his boxing shorts. Does anybody here wear boxers? No. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but, but he, he stripped them completely. And these people they, they were preaching to, now they are standing there totally naked and exposed. I mean, how humiliating is that? And then, then they take rod, rods and they beat them, and then they take them and they lock them on the inside of the prison wh- where there was no windows and put shackles on them. You know, if that happened to me, if, some, if, a, if a crowd came in here now and stripped me naked right now in front of you all, I would be so humiliated. If I was holding the me book, I would think, shoot me now. <laughs> May this ground just open up and suck me in. Suck me in now. But if I'm holding on to the hymn book... I would just think, bring it on. I will be humiliated and I I will be persecuted in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a difference between holding the me book and the hymn book. So, back to the book of Acts. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then it was about midnight. The jailers and all the prisoners started to hear something. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, that sounds crazy. If you're holding the me book, and that happened to you in that dirty old dark prison, I doubt a few we would be singing hymns, but they weren't holding that book. And the hymns, you know, what, what were they singing? psalm 28 7 the lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusts in him and he helps me my heart leaps for joy when i when with the song i praise him i love you lord you are so good you are majestic in all things you will prove yourself strong you will prove yourself right we rejoice in you lord it doesn't matter what's going on our heart is for you they were rejoicing that that's the way they were rejoicing and then the miracles started, and that night they left the prison quite miraculously, and, and people were being saved that night. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That they were there in those chains and just had opened the me book and just thinking, oh, woe is me, this is a, we're, we're in a difficult place here. If they were just thinking like that, they wouldn't have been singing those hymns, there wouldn't have been no joy, and you probably wouldn't have seen any of the miracles. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord transcends prison walls, no matter what kind of prison we feel the world's trying to put us in. I will not, and I often have to fight this. It says, bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. And I will not let circumstances dictate my attitude or my feelings in this life. I live in his joy and I live in his kingdom. Paul said he was an ambassador of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5:20. He was a representative, representative of a different realm, not this world. He was not of this world, but of the kingdom of God. So he didn't have to take on all the world's emotions and everything that's going on. He wasn't living by this world's laws or this world's reactions. Are you okay? Romans 14, 17, he says, and he he wrote this from experience. He said, for the kingdom of God, I have found the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul tore up the Me Book, now he only writes... In the book about him, all the God stories, Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the book Paul picked up and was living from. You know, I think think we all make commitments to God in, in different ways. You know, and one day at church, I just wanted to, I I didn't know how, you you know, Lord, I want to give everything to you. And I do it mentally and and with my mouth and everything, but, but how, you know, is there a way, an offering? The offering plate was going around and the thought came to me and I debated it, but I did it. I just took out my whole wallet and just threw it in the collection plate. And that was it. It had all my money, my credit card, my driver's license. It had everything in it, and there it went—the <laughs> whole shebang. But, but for me, it, it was an act of faith. I'm, I'm just saying, Lord, Lord, this represents my whole life here. Take it; it's yours. You know. But when I left the church that day, I smiled all the way home, and I was laughing, and I said, this is a crazy thing to do, but somehow there was freedom in it. I'm laying down this me book, Lord, and I'm picking up your book, the hymn, the book about Him, H-I-M. You know, my pastor and everybody else who probably saw that probably thought, this guy is really weird. What are we going to do with him? But the... (laughs) you, You know, this is true. About two years later... He comes, he comes to me and he hands me the wallet. He said, here, I think this is yours. That's all he said. I think, I don't know whether he knew what was going on or not, but I had to get new credit cards or anything. But amen. <laughs> I want to read from his book. I want God's stories. I live for Christ. I am an ambassador of a different kingdom, so I'm gonna live by different rules. And I am not going to let the devil or the circumstances or this world events or the government or even my family dictate to me how I should feel and react. I guard my heart I guard my thoughts. I am not going to allow the devil or this world to steal, kill, and destroy or stamp stamp out the joy Jesus gives, which is my strength to go on each and every day, because I know when I didn't have it, I wasn't going on that well. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Or as King James says, in your presence is fullness of joy. The key to joy, stay in his presence. To stay in his presence, lay down the me book and pick up the hymn book. When you sense your joy running out, it's probably just a sign you have wandered a bit too far from his presence. He'll never leave you or forsake you, but there is that tangible presence of God probably sometimes we concentrate more on the mission and we drift away and not, not concentrate as much on him. And that's sometimes when ministry becomes duty. It becomes something, something that we have to do. That's when we need to turn our eyes onto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our source of joy, which is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what keeps ministry exciting and alive not our determination or our knowledge of how to get something done. It's him. It's, it's him. It's in his presence. Joy is contagious. Grumpiness just puts people off. And there are a lot of grumpy Christians around. I don't know if you've ever met them. Is anybody here a grumpy Christian? Just testing. Some people raise their hand. Lord, Lord bless you and help you. You know, that should not be. When I was going to college, uh, uh, upstairs, they had these, from 1920s, you know, holiness conventions. And, and they had long pictures, you know, with like a 100 or so people on it. And I went up there one day and I was looking at these different conventions, 1920, 1921 or something. And I looked at all their faces. And I would say, in all these hundreds, there was only about four people that were smiling. I thought, this isn't Right. I thought, I thought, if, th- if this is what, what it means to be holy, then I don't want that. I want a different kind of holiness. I'm, I'm going to go join the Baptist or something or, or go to Jeremy Church. But, but, but grumpiness is not of God. And it's not God's goal for us. You know what grumpiness is? It's the wrong petrol to live a faithful, successful life. I pray that we are a holy community, but holiness doesn't mean grumpiness. Grumpiness is not where my strength comes from. You know, I'm often laughing to myself. I don't know what that's a sign of. Hey Amen, it is. You, you know, sometimes this is the truth. I'll walk through the house and and I'll just start laughing and Karen will go, what's so funny? I'll go, nothing, just... <laughs> It's the presence of the God. He, it's the presence of God. He overflows and he brings joy. And once you start getting it and walking in it, you don't want to lose it and you keep going there. And if it starts to fade away a bit, you think, I got to get closer to Jesus again. Lord, the joy, your joy is my strength, not my sorrow, not, not this world. The joy and the, I'm almost finished here. Maybe not. The, <laughs> what time is it we're, we're moving the, the the doors of joy really open to me it's when I stop trying to get it for myself but trying to help others to find it that that, that is that was a key for me and, and every and I said this before and I mean it and I do this every time I go anywhere outside the door of my home I pray Lord help me to be your blessing to everyone I meet today Help me to encourage everyone I meet today. Help me to pray for them. Help me to love them like you love them and to see them as you see them. And when I started doing that, I started seeing, finding the wells and fountains of joy starting to spring up within me. You know, go to church looking for someone to encourage and pray for. Don't come looking, oh, I wonder if I'm going to be blessed today. Oh, that sermon didn't help me much today. I think I'll go somewhere else. That, that's not the attitude. If you come to church carrying the me book, you will just end up complaining. I remember I was talking to, to this lady and, and, she, and she was saying, I'm thinking of, of leaving the church because nobody ever comes up, hard, hardly ever comes up and says hi to me. No one hardly ever comes up and shows me any kind of love or anything like that. And, and I just said to her, did you go and say hi to anybody today? No. Did you come with the idea you're gonna love somebody or pray with someone today? No, she just came to sit there to receive. And I, I said, no wonder, you're, you're, this is what happens. We get, we get dammed up, you know, it's supposed to flow like a river from our belly. And, and, and when we hold it into ourselves, the big me book, come and love me, it's, it's like you set up a dam there. And, and, and when the dam is there, you know what happens? You, uh, you you start looking around. Oh, I don't like the color of that carpet. Oh, I don't like that. Ooh, that was too loud. Oh, there, you know, and all these things, these negative things going going through your mind. But but I tell you, you find somebody who's full of joy. You find somebody who's going out and loving everybody. You, you'll find that person full of joy. But you'll never find that person complaining about the color of the carpet or saying, "Let's split the church." <laughs> because the joy is our strength. Praise God. Um, I don't know. Twelve, twelve. Is that okay? Yeah, we're still good. This is a story I like, because I find a lot of times with the God stories, you got to give up yourself, because I, I miss a beat now and then, and I do some stupid things now and then, and but but i find god comes he watches my back and turns it for good just just like with that optician you know we went to um to the bethel to to one of their meetings i went with john and some of the people in the church when i first arrived here for five days and um and we were in the town And then um, Paul McNeely comes up, and he says, I ordered an Uber. I never heard of an Uber. I didn't know what an Uber was. It's a taxi thing. He said, I ordered an Uber for you, and he's coming in this color of car, and um, he'll take you to the church. So we got in. I got in the front seat, and and two people got in the back seat. And as we were going, I thought, well, this must be, the driver must be a friend of Paul McNeely. He got him to come here and pick us up. You with me so far? I often <laughs> dear lord it's almost like the chicken story that, that was but um so i just started to talk to him i said ah thank you for giving us a lift um how do you know paul you know paul McNeely? you know what he says he, he said 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 i know a paul from the bible and he said, I, I've been reading the Bible a bit now and then. I never brought up that conversation. And, and then we started talking, and I, I tell him how I got saved and the whole bit. We get to pull up the Bethel, and he said, oh, I've driven people here before. I said, yeah, it's a great place. And, and if you really just want the presence and experience God, you should come here. And he said, does it cost any money? And I said, no, it's free. You just come. So I told him the time to come, and he said, I'm going to come on Sunday. But, but that was just one of those God stories. When we are out of the way and we just let God, God move, he, he watches our back. Even when we do stupid things, he turns it for good, which is joy. I had a lot of joy that day. And I, and I, like, I love looking back and seeing all the crazy things God has done, and he said, come and join it with me. And I, so a lot of times I feel like we're just laughing together. I believe, I believe that's the heart of God. I I suppose the whole key to joy, and this is where I'm ending, is summed up in the greatest commandment. Love God, love each other. If you really do that, you will have joy, and it will spring like a fountain, and you can keep it if you guard your heart. And close that book called Me. Let's pray. Though you have not seen me, Lord, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And David prayed, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. And if anyone here feels like they lost the joy or are having a hard time getting back into it, Lord, we just pray for them. We pray for a covering of your Holy Spirit upon them. We pray that you would bring the freedom and the life of God in them, that that you would breathe upon them And draw them closer and restore to them the joy of their salvation. It's always a good prayer to pray. Because it is our strength. And we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.